0: In the future they'll say these were dark times Although in the future they'll say we were violent Although in the future they'll say these were dark times The leaders were deaf and their poets were silent Although in the future they'll say these were dark times When people with visions simply close their eyes In the future they'll say these were dark times The poets were silent unless they told lies I'm talking to you always flooding with danger I'm talking to you titillated by fear I'm talking to you Always hurting with danger You once heard with me You're afraid to come here I'm looking at you A new way before you A massive glaucoma And lazy eye I'm talking to you Always hurting with danger I'm wasting my breath sometimes I don't know why I'm talking to you My words that are I'm talking to you Cause I have to do something And this for the moment Is all I can do Although God.
1: And tonight we are joined by music artist Robert Wagner And he joins us for the first time That song, Dark Times, was written and performed by him He was the front man and chief songwriter, lyricist for the 80s, 90s, seminal Pittsburgh rock band Little Riches Robert rode a wave of local notoriety that led the band to the forefront of the underground music scene. The Little Wretches was founded as a folk punk band by Robert and his brother Chucky. And the classic Mach 2 era of Little Wretches included Ed Heidel, Chris Brookhoff, and Bob Goat. I want to say goats, but I'm probably it's probably Getz. Rounded out by David yeah. Mitchell, Getz. Mike Mel. Uh, Mike Oloski and Ellen Hildebrand. This rock edition of the band performed regularly and helped the band build its massive following in Pittsburgh. That is a condensed version. Uh, Miloski Mitchell and Chucky Wagner left the band, effectively ending Mach 2. Mach 3 began with the addition of David Luisi and Mike Madden. When Madden couldn't tour, drum programmer Greg Beliski took over. When Ellen switched to bass guitar, this version of The Little Wretches entered the studio. They recorded two albums with Angelo George playing drums and John Paul Leon playing guitar on a third. National press attorneys, managers, and publicists came calling, as did Life's Obligations, and The Little Wretches disbanded in the late 90s. Robert continues to perform at coffee houses and small clubs. He has a master's degree in counsels, abused, neglected, traumatized, and court-adjudicated youth. He is the co-founder of the Calopi Acoustic Open Stage, which is an event that has lasted 15-plus years. He also recorded and released two new albums in 2020, Undesirable and Anarchist, and Burning Lantern, Dropped in Straw. The former having spawned an iTunes chart topping single and having received airplay on more than 115 North American AM, FM radio stations. Wow, Robert, what a bio. Welcome to the show.
2: Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited. I a little nervous. It's funny when I called in, I I got some butterflies. I'm a little nervous about being here. I don't um, supposed to be comfortable performing, you know. But uh, this is going to be a free free flowing conversation, and I, I hope I'm up to the task.
1: Of course you are. Of course you are. Now, when when I was listening to to the songs that Michael Stover sent me to to decide which three I wanted to pick. I listened to Dark Times more than one time. I listened to it about six different times. And in listening to that song, it took me back. And and I'm talking back to the 60s. And and I'm proud to say I have reached 70 years old. So the 60s was was that generation of Vietnam and unrest and flower power and riots and and all of some of the same stuff we're going through now, what made you write "Dark Times" in this era?
2: Well, uh, you know, there's there's a lot. Uh, usually, when I perform, I, I tell a lot of stories to put the songs in context for the for the audience. And um, the real truth is, I got. Um, uh the collected works of the poetry of Bertolt Brecht. Most people know of Bertolt Brecht as the playwright who wrote the three penny Opry and songs like uh Mack the Knife, you know, he's the lyricist for, for that. But uh he, he started out as a poet and he actually started out as a poet who played guitar back in the early uh twentieth century. And he has a couple of poems uh, that just, you know, of course they're English translations, but they just jumped off the page to me. It, it, one says, in the future, now, of course, he's writing somebody who's fleeing Hitler's Germany. Uh, right. He's German and he has he has to flee. And the poem says, in the future, will they ask, uh, they won't ask why the times were dark. Rather, they'll ask, why were their poets silent? And that's you know that that really struck a nerve with me um, you know we're going we're going to be judged in eternity and we're going to be judged by the future uh based on the decisions we make and if we just sit back and uh you know don't don't do our don't do our part to steer the ship and paddle the oars then uh you know we're 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 doing a disservice to the people who will come after us uh, then what I actually the song is funny because I, I perform that song almost every time I play. It's, it's a, a lot of people like the song and I know the people who never heard me before, there's a good chance that they're going to like that. So I, everybody thinks it's about COVID be, or, you know, what, what we've gone through with the quarantine and, you know, Craig, that song you know, 20, maybe at this point, 30 years old. And when I, when I wrote it, the, uh, the Persian Gulf crisis was going on and, uh, you know, we were we were fighting in Kuwait. The United States was fighting in Kuwait. Um, timeless song, in that regard, um, and, and
1: it, it very definitely. Thing, it, it,
2: yeah, and, and now if I could add one more thing to it, uh, and this is a true story. You mentioned the drummer Angelo George. He had a friend who had like kind of a religious conversion, and she was moving to Canada to join some kind of i don't know if it was a convent or some kind of uh you know religious order and on her way she she and, and one of her friends they had a dream they had the exact same dream on the same night so they went to some kind of psychic to have the dream interpreted which you know for a religious person that sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus to me you got to be got to be careful about meddling with spirits but mm-hmm. I, I, I bumped into her, and I asked her, well, uh, how did it go? And she says, well, he tried to regress me into my former lives, but something went wrong, and I ended up in the future. I was like, oh, well, come on. You, you Give me a break. Okay, so if you've been to the future, tell me what it's like. And she <laughs> said, well, I, I can't really describe it, except it's really, really nice, and they look back on us like we're living in the dark ages. I'm like, okay, there you go. That's the song, you know. Thing no matter how bad you think it is, it is definitely going to get better. I
1: like that. that. Ian, yeah, I really like I I feel the wheels turning in your head, my friend. Have <laughs> you, you got on your page for him?
3: You you always you always call me out like that. You know, I always got something <laughs> up the sleeve. So I, I couldn't help but think that um You have like a very Pink Floyd vibe and not like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, or Pink Floyd, The Wall, but more like uh, Pink Floyd Echoes. You you know that song? Uh,
2: Well, not really. No, I I don't. I don't. I I know the early Pink Floyd stuff uh, with Finn Barrett, uh, you know, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. And then I know, you know, pretty much Dark Side of the Moon, The The Wall, uh, Wish You Were
3: Here. Yeah. No, and that's what I was thinking of when we were listening to the song, that, you know, um, they had a very, had a very uh, distinct Pink Floyd vibe. So kudos to you for, you know, adopting that, well, that sound it's a little
2: bit. Funny, man, when I hear it, I'm thinking of yeah, – now, uh, this is really going to date me, but one of the things I didn't like about that version of the song is it reminds me of the Smothers Brothers. Um, uh Ian, are you old? You probably aren't old enough to know who the Smothers are, No, I, I, I am. I mean, we, I really Yvonne's don't. usually
3: pretty surprised. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I listen I mean, to that, and, you know, that's Dave Losey and I singing a duet together. And
3: I think, oh, my, we sound like Tommy and Dickie Smothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were talking about the, the future and all that, um, it actually got me a question about um, something that was completely unrelated to what I was even going to ask. But what do you think the future of of music and art is? Do you see a future uh, it, that's different than what we have?
2: Well, you know, I, I have no idea what the future holds. Uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of how, how we consume art and music depends on technology. So. Uh, It's hard to tell. I mean, one thing about the the digital technology now is that anybody in the world is one click away from my music, anybody who's looking for it. Now, I'm I'm just a needle in the haystack. You know, all of us are just, there's so much out there. But people who are looking can find it. So I'm not sure if you can get any more uh, universal than that. Um, the, The other kind of downside of it though is through the technology is when I was first starting out it took an awful lot of effort and commitment to record music to go into a recording studio to book gigs out of town those were all signs of commitment which separated you from the pack and gave people a reason to take you seriously now, you know, any kid with a laptop can make a uh, an album that sounds like a Grammy award winner. He can, you know, he can make the album in their bedroom and upload it to the internet. So, I'm not really sure of uh, people uh, you know, I, I see myself as part of like the folk music tradition. You know, I, I'm writing about my life and times passing down the, the wisdom and the insight that, that's been passed on to me. I'm trying to hand it down to whoever. And it's hard to tell what's going to happen. I mean, when I grew up, everybody wanted to play the guitar or play drums. Uh, I don't come across too many kids. It's funny you mentioned, Ian, you mentioned the Pink Floyd. You know, I work with teenagers. Pink Floyd... Is very popular with teenagers. You know the, the young kids that I know, the teenagers that I know that want to actually play music. They uh, look up to Pink Floyd. I don't know if there's too much that's coming out today that they actually look up to. They they, they look back to what's considered classic rock as, as their inspiration. So who knows?
1: That's a good point. That is a very good point. And and yeah, yeah. artists like. Artists like Pink Floyd's are are iconic. They they stay around for generations, and it's because they sounded different.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the things that's really un, unappreciated about Pink Floyd is just how spacious it is. Uh, you, you know, when, when when I was a teenager, they, they, I didn't. When I was in high school, I did not like the kids who who I admired, like Pink Floyd. That I kept on giving them a second chance and a third chance, <laughs> and then it wasn't until relatively recently that I really heard it. And, and it is oh my, this is uh, they take their time, they don't rush through anything, and it, it is huge, enormous sound. Uh, you know they're not really trying too hard. They're they're letting the sound and the words speak for themselves. Uh, you know it's it's a good lesson for me. I, I wish I would have discovered that you know earlier in, in my musical life.
1: Well, I think you do that with Dark Times really really well because in listening to Dark Times, the more the more I listened to it, the the more impact it had on me, and and the more I understood that it's like a step back in time as well as as i step into the present as well as i step into the future
2: yeah, yeah. well that's uh, that, uh, uh I, I think we have the little wretches have three versions of dark times out one from an album called beyond the stormy blast uh which is kind of have a, a celtic feel it has tin whistle and and, and, and violin on it And then I have like an acoustic version, just me and a violin player off of a live concert album live at the mattress factory. Uh, So, so that song can can take a lot of different shapes, you know, the the basic chords, melody and lyrics of, you know, we can interpret interpret that a lot of different ways.
1: And that's what makes music so neat is as, as in books, music is, is, interpretive and, and in perspective by the person who's listening to it at the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to li- and and I, that that's why I love performing live and I love doing a lot of, you know, with the audience when I'm playing because, you know, really to communicate, you have to establish some kind of common ground. Uh, that's the, uh, you know, you, it, like even as a, as a teacher, when I'm working with teenagers, you know, well, i got to figure out what you know already, and then, then I can connect what I know to what you know. But we've got to find some kind of middle ground that's neutral for both of us. Uh, and and once you establish that rapport with the audience, you can, you can handle – you can go into some pretty deep waters with some, with some pretty uh, complex issues, hard-hitting issues that like uh, on the radio – they might be afraid to play it, but live, if you, once you've connected with the audience, you can do pretty much anything.
1: That that is very true, Ian. I know there's a burning question. I feel it. <laughs> well, hmm, I'm no? kind of
3: taking in everything. Well, no, I'm I'm taking everything in because, like, I do have a burning question, but there's more and more information about how to shape that question like we already talked about it in the times of world war ii you know that if the poets are silent the world is hurting and the world is not good and now we're talking about how when you get live you can talk about the things that you weren't normally talked about on the radio but where's that fine balance
2: well you know you have you have to have the courage but you have to have the courage to speak. In fact, there's an essay by Bertolt Brecht about this. Uh, it's like the afterword of his play Galileo about you know the the astronomer Galileo. Uh, we're saying you know you have to have the courage to speak the truth. But there's all you know there's also some discretion involved with it as well because you don't want to freak people out. You don't want to force people into having a knee jerk so they're defensive and they're not really listening to you. And you don't want to, you don't want to be silenced. You don't, you don't want yourself to be completely censored. Like I was on a on a podcast with a woman from Chicago a couple of times last year, and I hadn't heard from her for a while. And I looked her up. She, you know, she she was using YouTube as one of her platforms for her podcast, and all of her podcasts had been deleted except for her five most recent podcasts. So she must have been dealing. With some kind of controversial material that was disapproved of by YouTube, and they must have kicked her, you know, kicked her off for a period of time. And and that's one of the weird things that we're going through now. Uh, you have to be very careful. Some of the platforms like Facebook, they are simply things that you can't say because if you do, nobody's ever going to see your posts. And uh, so you really got to dance around a lot of a lot of the issues. Uh, and you know you hear you hear people talking about how polarized the country is right now, in my daily life i don't experience that in my daily life. I see people getting along with each other and living their lives but you know when when you get into the the world of media there's it's like there's no there's no middle ground everybody's taken aside everybody's dug their heels in and um and if they disagree with you, they want to shut you up. Uh, that, that's that's the great thing about what I do, you know. Is perhaps if if I was as popular as Bruce Springsteen, I would have to worry about offending people. But at my level, I I have the license to say what I believe. Uh, there's a Neil Diamond song, "The Boat That I Row," uh, and, and, and Neil Diamond says, uh, "Ain't no man alive can tell me what to do. No, ain't no man alive can tell me what to think." And I, I guess that's—I uh, heard that song probably when I was six years old. And it still sticks with me. You know, if you, get, if you won't, if you won't speak what you believe in, who will? And and
1: that brings that's another
2: personal to- line. If you don't stand up for yourself, who will? If, if you if you don't go down fighting, you're still going to go down either way. So why not go down fighting?
1: And that brings us all the way back. See, the beauty of this show, Robert, is we are not censored. This this show is never censored, and we've talked about some really strange things and really controversial things. And this show is not censored. But what we have just been talking about brings us full circle two things one my next song and two a quote from you that says and i quote my songs are mirrors and i often begin or end my performances by playing a version of the velvet underground's i'll be your mirror extended to more than 10 minutes in length to include some of the images that most shaped my view of the world as a young man working men and women enslaved in pursuit of the dollar The now vacant void from whence the spirits fled, filled with the distraction of mindless entertainment, alcohol, and assorted drugs, people so numb that self destructive violence has lost its impact, and the only way they can hope to feel anything is to hurt people they love. God wanted me to grow up to defend the weak and vanquish the evil doers by writing songs and telling stories, and if I'm wrong, I've wasted my life, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to play another song by Robert Wagner called Who is America? This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush, and our guest, indie music artist, Robert Wagner, who is absolutely phenomenal. Now, hang on a minute, guys. My my soundboard doesn't want to play well tonight.
0: The year's
1: yvonne mason with my co-host dean bush and our guest indie music artist robert wagner and that was who is america robert that just
2: fit with your quote how did that
1: song come
2: about oh well look i don't want to pat myself on the back too much but uh that's one of those songs that has been around for a long time. And it almost, you know, with everything that happened in the aftermath of of the George Floyd incident, it's like, man, that that song was almost prophetic. I I wrote that song 30 years ago, and it sounds like it could have been written last summer. Uh, You know, it it opens up with images of, you know, tear gas in the street, and then... uh, you know and then, then kind of goes into you know the, the life of to drag themselves to work every day, chasing their dollar, whether whether they like their job or not, they've got to do it. You know, the alienation that they feel uh, and that kind of tug of war between the hope and the ideal and, and the reality. Uh, and especially if you're a working person. You know, if you're from a working class family, you're cursed by the the thought of low expectations. Like, if I don't amount to anything, I will be a disappointment to nobody. Whereas you're, if you're from a wealthy family or an entrepreneurial family, they expect you to make something of your life. They expect you to someday look back and say, look what I accomplished. Whereas, you know, if you're a working person, you get up, you go to work. You know, you come home, you eat, you sleep, you know, and then tomorrow you do it again. So that's uh what was, there there's so much behind that song, Yvonne. Uh I, I could break it down line by line. Uh it, it but it just kinda came together uh and, and last year timely in, in a way that I could never you know who who would have foreseen that?
1: And, and, again, that's another one of those songs that the more I hear it, the more I hear out of it. And the more it it takes me back because some of those same type, again, some of those same type of songs were going on in the 60s. And yet a, another time of unrest because you had the, 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 uh, the Kent University riots. You had the civil riots, unrest. You had all of the same stuff that we have today. It's like every 30, 40 years, we go back around the circle because we're not, we don't seem to learn from our past mistakes. So we keep making them over and over again, which is the definition of insanity.
2: Well, you know, but but I always remind people to be careful of of the use of the word we, you know, because, you know, in in, in the songwriting community, especially with the folk singers, Mm -hmm. that they're they're so socially conscious that they're throwing a, look your weaves your weave sure better not exclude me uh, and that's the, right now you know people live through I mean, okay people over the age of fifty or over the age of sixty. they're still fighting the battles, they're still fighting the civil rights movement, they're still fighting they're still part of the anti-war movement in their minds. They don't realize the world's changed in 50 years. It's, you know, we're the, we've come a long way. And the people of today, you know, like, you know, like I said, i I work with kids and for them, history is once upon a time, you know, mm-hmm. like if I asked them when, when did I ask them kids today, do you guys know when world war two ended? And, you know, I had kids saying everything from, you know, 1975 to 1917. Uh, you know, it's all – all I know is it happened a long time ago. And uh, you know, just trying to get some – you know, you got to put it together, you know, reverse engineer your history, see where you came from. Because the big question is how did, how did we get here and where can we go from here? Uh, we have this, some decisions to make. And uh, you know, you, each of us plays a small, small part. Each of us has a voice in it, and none of us can control it. God save us from the from the social engineers who think some smart guy has, is going to plug all the data into a computer, and the computer is going to tell us the way to live. Uh, and and I'm not all about systems. You know, you'll hear people talking about you know capitalism and socialism. Like I, I know know well enough that system that drives things it's the goodness of of people a good system good people will make any system work bad people will wreck any system and what we gotta what we gotta focus on and I can't speak for anybody but me what I what I want to focus on is touching people's hearts and let them know you have a choice always have a choice nobody controls you you control yourself you're responsible for what you do you're responsible for what you say, and what you do and what you say has an impact. So, you know, make the most of the time that you have uh, and try try to leave the world uh, in a better place than you found it, you know?
1: You are a man after my own heart. <laughs>
3: yeah, it a well, it's funny that you guys there. bring sorry that up to you but... that we – sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I get off. I, I – I hope I'm not this, driving people crazy.
1: A, no, well, like this preacher. is what we do. <laughs> Robert, this is what we do on this show. Egan and I live for this because what this does oh, yeah. is it, this allows the listeners to, to know Robert Wagner on a different level to understand where he's coming from in his music, and we love this. So kudos. Thank you for doing that.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you are not giving me the hook and
1: hitting the mute
3: button on me. <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> no, 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 no 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 no! We don't do that here.
3: I think we've only muted one person, and that that was a it was a fluke. So not 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 your fault. Um, no, but it's funny that you bring up how we we repeat the same thing every thirty years, right? So we have such an emphasis on STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, machine or um, mathematics, excuse me, machinery. a little (laughs) bit tired and you as a teacher um, I'm also a fellow I I was a teacher for a little bit and then um, I kind of did a different path of life if we keep repeating history every 30 years what are we missing like is our focus on the wrong thing or the right thing and it's kind of the same thing with music and books right haven't we already been remaking the same kind of genres every 30 years, does that kind of worry you as an artist? Oh, well, look, I mean, one of the things that drives uh, –
2: well, one of the things that drives the entertainment business is money, obviously. You want to have a hit. So if a story was a hit for an earlier generation, very good chance that that story is going to resonate resonate with people
3: of the present and also resonate with people of the future, so I well, mean, That's kind of a disservice business, to the people, is it not? If we continue well, to regurgitate the same thing over and over again.
2: No, not necessarily. Well, yeah. Look, I I, I think it's it's pathetic, but uh, but, the, but the the motive behind it is somebody's trying to make the most amount of money with the least amount of investment, and you know there, there's a like a literature theorist uh, Booker. Who has you know the seven archetypal stories overcoming the monster, rags to riches, you know comedy, tragedy, that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, if you pretty much go back to the Bible, all the basic stories are in the Bible and and in you know you know the the ancient literature. There, there are certain kind of stories that are going to resonate with us, and so I don't. It's not the story repeating the story that's the problem, but but I would say you know. This is a line from the movie about Watergate uh, where they say, follow the money. If there's a problem that has persisted for decades, all you've got to do is ask yourself, well, who's making money off the problem? And that will tell you why it hasn't gone away. Uh, that, that, that's your problem right there. And we have people who make careers that they get, in, they get into a line of social change. They're trying to change the world. And then they learn how to make a living off of it, and now they're profiting from the very thing they set out to eliminate uh you know you'll hear people talk about you know the civil rights industry, for example uh the, you know or you know I've heard people talk about how the police and the criminals are actually in the same business, the two sides of the same coin the the, the war on drugs man, if they wanted to stop the flow of drugs, they could stop the flow of drugs. But obviously, somebody's making a lot of money. Like one of the songs I have, The Remains of Joe Magarac, I say someone's getting rich from the drugs and the murder. Uh, someone's getting rich from the war. If you have any questions, keep them to yourself. Uh, because you. Uh, some, somebody told me when I was about 19 years old, they said, Bob, you think you're going to change the world? If you ever became a threat to the status, power, or so powerful, they could just make you disappear. And, you know, it's like, nah, well, I don't think they'll ever care care enough about me to want to make me disappear. But the people who have power have so much power, and the people who have money have so much money. Um, It's hard for little peons like us to make a dent. Um, But we can't worry about them. we got to worry about ourselves change the heart for oh, man Start there I,
1: I love it i'm it, and this is our kind of show
3: well yeah and i mean uh it is but it's not <laughs> it, it is but it's not i mean maybe it's the young guy in me like maybe i'm just young and hungry and like <laughs> gung-ho but if we got these people in positions of power we know how to get rid of them and it doesn't take a bullet the
2: same oh no no but man well okay what's coming up now like like i don't i don't i'm you know i'm in the state of pennsylvania so i think next tuesday uh it's election day here and you know so so a lot of people are going to be electing their school boards and that you know people have come around to realize that the biggest impact you can have is in your own community people need to start thinking about we are responsible for educating our own children we can't Hand that responsibility over to the federal government. It's the parents' job to make sure the children are being properly
3: educated. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Now, hold on. No, that's the – again, I must be young or something. I don't know. But I've always had this issue that we put way too much power in these people who are in these elected positions. And – Mind you, where, where I'm um, living at right now, I'm actually friends with some of them, which is actually really neat. I have never gone into politics um, the way I have in the past month or two than I have in 20, almost 30 years of life. But what I found out when I'm being friends with these people or associates or whatever they want to call me, I mean, they don't call me a friend. I'm just there to give my advice and, and all that it's not that they're the ones in power it's people like me who do, who are the silent changers man y'all are so worried about <sighs> elections and kicking people out of their their position that's not that it's the, the the true change agent is sometimes not the person who's in front but sometimes the person who's just on the left hey i don't I, know I, I, would, t- I would
2: i would say that it all starts it all starts in, in your own backyard.
3: Uh, right.
2: And correct me if I'm wrong. Children. Maybe I'm
3: speaking out of my. Maybe I'm children. speaking out of my bum. Children, but
2: don't, don't hand your children over to the government and assume that they're going to teach them for you. You're responsible for the education of your children. The most important job you'll ever do in your life is raising your children. Uh, and and that is true. That's what if, I
3: was. Go ahead.
1: It, it is It is very true that we as parents are responsible for teaching our children a moral compass, a right. um, how to live the right way it's and this is right. what Robert is saying. It's not up to the schools, it's not up to the government By the time our children get into school, they should already have formed some type of moral compass and some type of self discipline. Robert, is that not what you're saying?
2: Well, well, absolutely. Uh, you know, well, look, I you know, I I work in the field of education and I've been studying this my whole life. Uh, you know, a, an approach to education that really appeals to me is that they call a democratic education or free schooling or unschooling, uh, self-directed learning, and it goes with the philosophy You'll hear people in public education talking about, oh, we have to teach critical thinking, and that is just so presumptuous. You are a born critical thinker. Up until you hit puberty, you could learn an (laughs) unlimited number of languages. You're a born problem (laughs) solver. But but all of a sudden, you know, nobody had to teach you how to talk. Nobody had to teach you how to walk. But suddenly, you hit five years old, and they think they need to to teach you to uh, send you to school and teach you how to think. No, you're a natural-born problem solver. You're you're a natural-born. You know anything that empowers you, you will pursue naturally. Uh, so, I, I you know I I there, there's a very cool school. I think the coolest school that I, I've, I've visited is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's called the Circle School, and it operates in the same way that our government operates in that it has a legislative branch, a judicial branch and an executive branch, but the school is run by the school body, the school meeting. So every student there, whether you're five years old, every person there, whether you're five years old or 55 years old, you have an equal voice. Now now the 55-year-old might have more credibility in the, in the community meeting than the five-year-old, but we figure out how to run the school. We figure out how to run the space. We figure out what we're going to do with our time. And we don't have to worry about behavior problems because we only do what we want to do. There's this this notion that, that kids won't learn anything unless you force them to learn, which is crazy. Boredom is completely unnatural. Uh, you, you, when a kid faces boredom and has to solve that problem, the fact is they do want to learn, and they want to know, they're curious about the world, and they want to have that curiosity satisfied. And they learn more through exploration and pursuing questions than they do from sitting in a classroom and have and having some genius who designed a curriculum tell them what they think they need to know. Uh, so so well, for me, it all comes back, you know, I don't even see the dichotomy between the teacher. You know, we're all teachers all the time. We're all students all the time. Uh, school is not, you know, I, I define school as a community of learners, and we're all learners and we're all, we're all part of a
3: community. I mean, I appreciate the respectful debate. I, I really do because we're all just artists coming together to have, um, you know, conversation, but uh, that's scary. I mean, not everyone's a natural-born thinker. Sometimes you've got to oh, you be kidding loop. me. You know, how did they beat that out of you, Ian? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, that's let me not. No, to no. Did, excuse me. They did not beat that out of me. I've had to sit down next to children and and pull out that. Like, that. that is my teaching experience, sir. That is That is what I've had to do. I've had to connect children. In an
2: artificial setting, in an artificial setting, in a school setting. No, that is uh, not –
3: that was not an artificial setting. (laughs) No, there are some children who are just not natural-born thinkers, and you have to stimulate that part of the brain for them to become that. I'm not saying that I love force-feeding them scoops of answers. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that it's very scary for you just to assume that every child is – a natural-born uh, devourer of knowledge because it's yeah, not me, necessarily. Wait, you, true. Did you need
2: a carrot and a stick to learn how to talk? Did you need a carrot and a stick to learn how
3: to walk? <laughs> no, but I definitely needed. How a is carrot it? Did you stick. learn how to
2: walk and talk? Who taught you how to learn how? Who taught you how to walk and talk?
3: People showed me the importance of walking and talking, and they supported me. That is what I am stating. That not everybody knows the importance of having that kind of knowledge set. That's that's very...
2: Mm. <laughs> look into democratic education. Look into the Sudbury School. Look into the Philly I, Free School. Uh, if I look at the website, the, you have, you're familiar with, with Free School in that?
3: <laughs> yes, sir. I have. So, um, Yvonne, do we have a, a third phone?
1: We do. We do. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush, and our guest, indie music artist, Robert Wagner. And we are going to play the last song tonight of his called Tell Me. We will return shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Tell Me by our guest indie music artist Robert Wagner. This is off the chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co host Ian Bush. Robert, that is another iconic song. It just it speaks to me.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I I don't uh, I don't get to listen too much. You know, for for me I was listening to that thing, wow. We made that. That's not too bad. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty proud of that. (laughs) As you
1: should be. Are you now we are we are very quickly getting to our five minute mark, if you can believe that this hour has flown by. Are you going to be in any open gigs in the next few months? If you are, tell the folks so that they can go and see you and talk to you and listen to
2: you. Well, you know, I I live in I kind of split my time between the Philadelphia area and the Pittsburgh area, and kind of work out of those bases. So I'll I'll be around uh, Pittsburgh around Thanksgiving and around the holidays, and uh, you know I I participate in a lot of events. There's in the Philly area, there's the Philadelphia Folk Song Society, uh, the Philadelphia Area Songwriters Alliance. you know so i'm I'm involved in that kind of folk music songwriter scene here in Philly, and we're still kind of battling uh trying trying to get live performances uh back. You know a lot of people were ready to get back into live performing. A lot of the venues looked like they were ready to open back in the summer, and then they all kind of backed off. And I'm really kind of a little bit leery. A lot of the venues that have reopened now, they want people to show, uh, you know, come on in and show us proof of vaccination or you're not allowed to come in. Uh, You know, I I have a lot of mixed feelings about that because I'm personally a COVID survivor, so I know I have natural immunity, and I'm also vaccinated. But I'm not going to – if somebody wants to to pay money to come hear me play – I'm not going to ask them for a vaccination card. That just doesn't this doesn't seem right to me. But you know, I don't make the rules, so so we'll see. Uh, back back in we're we're also doing. I'm working on some recording back in Pittsburgh with you know the, some of the people that you heard on Who's America uh, that version of the band with Rosa Colucci singing and Mike Madden, H K Hillner, and John Carson. As uh, the rhythm section, so we're, you know we're trying to finish up a, an album. It's going to be called Red Beats and Horseradish. Uh, probably the best. Well, writing I, ha- I have I've a, a
1: I have a question for you. When you finish up that album, will you come back and launch it on this show?
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would love to, I'd love to.
1: Because I we I I have enjoyed having you here. I know Ian has, and and again, this show is never censored. People are free to say. What's on their mind? That's the reason we call it off the chain. We've had some really intense discussions. But the the beautiful part of this show, ladies and gentlemen, is we can discuss and get really heavy into discussion. But at the end of the night, when we close this show, we're all still friends. There's no hate. There's no dissension. There's no grudge holding because... Our relationship with each other is so much more important than the words that we say. And so understand that, ladies and gentlemen, we're all still friends here. We None of us oh, yeah. are, are are mad at each other or anything. Ian and I do this all the time. When I get tired of him, I send him to his room. So right. <laughs> Robert just
3: send him and to then his then room. And then I pout and I, I <laughs> stomp my feet and say, I'm not going. And it just we do this. It's good. It's good. <laughs>
1: So ladies and gentlemen, I understand that even though a discussion may get a little bit off the chain this is this is why we call it off the chain and and I am sure that tonight that you all learned a whole lot about our guest and no don't you any of you go now and go and look at his music because you don't know where to go you have to wait till the show's over what uh-huh. you do is you go to Facebook and look up the little wretches and you like that page and then his website is littlewretches dot com. That will give you all the information that you need, plus his music. And any quick, we got we're two minutes out. Any quick words?
3: Uh, no. Don't, uh, wh- who did you say? Ian. Okay, <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> she said me. I'm sorry. I, um, don't uh, don't um, be silent for what you believe in
1: very good robert any quick words from you my friend
3: um,
2: no n- not nothing special you know I, I i would be greatly uh anybody out there if you look up our music uh that's, that's important to me that's you know I, i'm that, that anybody's interested in all is is a blessing to me uh i'm very lucky to be able to do what I do. And
1: so we're lucky to have you, and lucky that you've been around for so long and have so much wisdom under your belt. And ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first here. He has said he will come and launch his new album, and it will be well worth him to come back and launch that album because I can guarantee you there's going to be some amazing songs on that album. Uh, yeah,
2: there we, are.
3: I can promise you that. Yeah, and, we hey, we really do appreciate you uh, being on the show and, and all that. So thanks for your time tonight.
1: Yes, Robert, thank you for spending an hour with us because I know you are one busy man, and you are absolutely amazing. So, yes, I second that. Thank you for spending an hour with us. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we start off with Sartos at 8 o'clock on Monday night. So join us then. I will be putting up the November shows um, later on this week. So be ready to join us for another month of Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush, and our guest indie music artist, Robert Wagner. Thank you both for being here, and we will talk to you both later. Good night, all.
3: Have a good night, all. Good night.
2: 18 plus.